everyone. Welcome to Creepy Inquiries. A podcast dedicated to all things creepy, spoopy, and true crimey. With your hosts, Miss Kevin and Edie, your friendly neighborhood queers. Episode 68. We're feeling great. We're feeling great. Episode 68. All right. So the first one, I'm starting with a quote. Ooh. Oh. We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. You drop a pass, you run a mile. You miss a blocking assignment, you run a mile. You fumble the football, and I will break my foot off in your John Brown hind parts, and then you will run a mile. Perfection. Let's go to work. Denzel Washington is 68. <laughs> <laughs> That was perfection. Yeah. I was getting anxious. I was like, I don't appreciate this jock talk, like coming at me strong this early in the episode. I know. I'm not running anywhere. No, they are. What's the deal with being 68? Jerry Seinfeld, 68. I just watched a problematic old bit from Seinfeld where he was talking about unaliving yourself. And that was, ooh. Oh, there's also the time when he was in his 30s at the height of his career and Fully dating a 17-year-old. Mm, oh, yes. That, that too. Gross. Lest we forget. He has to parent not one, but two Lindsay Lohans, Dennis Quaid. <laughs> ah, all right. All right. Good. Now, is Randy Quaid his brother? Randy Quaid is his brother. Yes. Oh, my God. Problematic. Yes. yes. Randy Quaid is his brother. It's like how? How do they both share the same genetics? <laughs> It's just unfortunate. It's not happen. Great. (laughs) Relevant to the Creepy Inquiries Extended Universe, sisters are doing it for themselves. Any Lennox 68. Fuck yes. And finally, because her birthday is March 28th, 1955, Reba McIntyre is now 68. (laughs) 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 I'm so I was so happy that she was both 67 last week and 68 this week. Double. Reba. Always correct. It's always her birthday. Outstanding. Outstanding. I love that. What is the name of the song that I I watched a music video of hers? Does he love you? Oh, yes. Does he love you? Featuring Mm -hmm. Linda Davis. Yeah. And I I watched that music video from the early 90s. I texted it to Miss and Kevin, and I said, mm-hmm. okay, I'm starting to see the Reba appeal. Yeah. Thank you. Thank I you. I challenge you to the sad but important fancy. Oh, yes. For next week. That's your assignment for next week. Fancy. Fancy. All right. I will watch I will watch the video for fancy. That is my and, – and I will let you know what I think of it next week. All right. Until then, Miss, what have you been up to this week? Oh, my goodness. What did I do? It was fine. <laughs> That's the best. When I asked Miss, what did you do this week? It was fine. Uh-huh. It's fine. What have you been what have you been up to? It was fine. It's fine. Uh no, this weekend I did a little early Easter celebration with my family and there were hidden eggs and bunnies and candy galore and the kids had Dude. a great time and oh, um got a lot of mainly the best part about it was it got a lot of food a lot of that good family Mm -hmm, food mm -hmm. so that's great leftovers for days did you find Um, any eggs miss you know i was on the sidelines aunt miss was like get the (laughs) fuck out the white kids (laughs) (laughs) just just calming their domes throwing them on the ground just yes bodying children just (laughs) kicking them Kicking them. <gasps> I would never. <laughs> to Hashtag the ground, cancel listener. Hashtag <gasps> cancel no. miss. Cancel the Easter Bunny. 
But yeah, no, it's been it's been real. It's been quiet around these parts. Yay, Edie. What did you do this week slash weekend, listener? It was a roller coaster. I texted Kevin and Miss on the morning <laughs> of the presale tickets for Nick. Mind you, listener, I don't do concerts very much. The only person I care about is Nick. And the only time he's coming is now. I had an opportunity <laughs> last like year, some some March or something, but it just wasn't going to work then. So I'm not used to Ticketmaster shenanigans. I was in the queue <laughs> on the pre-sale day. I entered the queue like 10 minutes early. Apparently I was maybe supposed to do it earlier, but also they randomize the waiting room once you're in, once they place you in the queue to try and keep it, No, it, it doesn't whatever, matter whatever. when you get oh, in there. So it kind of didn't matter. Anyway, pre-sale day, 450 people ahead of me. By the time I was out of the queue, everything was gone. Pressure. That's so pressure. I texted Hell. Kevin and Miss, absolutely freaking out. I went back into my bedroom, woke up Mr. Fake Name to cry. but on the 31st general admission went mr fake name and i next to each other multiple devices we're ready we've like looked it up we're ready to roll mr fake name saved the day two tickets gotten acquired for nick cave live in north america solo uh Congratulations. Not a fake name, the hero. I'm coming for you, my dark prince, my devilish bard. <laughs> We're seeing Nick. Yes. Kev. Yes. Your turn. Tell us about your week. I had a great week in general. We're still watching Drag Race season 15, mm-hmm. and we now have the final four. So we're okay. imminent from the crowning. So that's and it's fun. it's still it's like the one who everybody thinks is going to get crowned is in the final four. It's hard to say. It's a great top four to me. Oh. It is Sasha Colby. It is Sasha Colby. Okay, I'm going to look up Sasha. Noted. Colby. Noted. Yeah. Beyond that, I have been plagued by this one question all oh, no. weekend. That I introduced to Miss via text earlier today. I hate it. Or um, earlier uh, on the weekend because I simply couldn't be burdened with it by myself. And Edie, I want to share that with you too. Yes. Okay. (sighs) Why don't two mothers-in-law call each other sisters-in-law? Why don't we do that as a society? Because aren't they? I'm drawing a little tree here, right? I got... I, I don't... Got, and I don't know why I'm asking two, this. I don't I think two, that the tree... I don't think that the branches... I know it's a dumb question, like but I was just thinking about it. It's not a... It, it might be a dumb question, but it really hurt my brain when you asked me. Like, Thank because you. They, you feel like they should be. You feel like they, they should be. be. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. So that's the thing. I so, just like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. If those mothers-in-law <laughs> and it happens are very to close. you, that's reciprocal. <laughs> to yeah. extended members of your family. You know what, Edie? Why are you raining on my parade? I'm sorry to I'm rain just on asking it. Questions. We're just asking questions. You know what, Kev? They are sisters-in-law and they should be. And why don't we do that? It's a great idea, Kev. No, it's like pulling teeth. My goodness. No, right? Just how does she not how do they not know just to like agree? I know, I know. I should have yes ended it, and I didn't. I no butted it. Yeah, we're having fun. Well, speaking work. of butts, my butt is in my seat, and Same. I am ready to be entertained. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we had a little bit of frivolity at the beginning of this episode because I am going to be taking us to Bummersville. Uh, All right, population us. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's Kev's turn. At least it's not me, y'all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was time for me. My two previous or my three previous true crime stories were all kind of on the lighter side. I just did Caesar's assassination. Mm-hmm. That's happened thousands of years ago. Who cares? Pusha, what is this behavior? <laughs> the healthy Holly scandal and the cave accident thing, the game cave. So this is one of those stories that it's not fun, but it is necessary. Yeah. All right. I mean, we pop in and out of Bummersville 
We sure Pretty do. regularly. I'll be telling you about the death of Kawan Charles, who was a 15-year-old from Baldwin, Louisiana, southern Louisiana. This doesn't bode well. Yes. He was missing for four days in late 2020, only to be found face down in a sugarcane field in LaRoeville, which is 25 miles from his home. (sighs) Today's story, like I said, is necessary, and it does bring up a lot of questions. And I want to first send my condolences, of course, to Quan Charles's family, his mom, Roxanne, his dad, Kenneth, sister Eve, cousin Selena, and everybody else. I just hope that we find the justice and the peace that Quan deserves very, very soon. Okay. To this day, the questioning surrounding his death remains, even with two autopsies concluding the cause of death as drowning. But how? Hmm. He was found in a sugarcane field? Yes, he was uh, found in a sugarcane field in a ditch. Face down. Uh, okay. Face down. Okay. I mean, it only takes like, what, an inch of water to drown in? I think it's Thank less you. Than, That's yeah. exactly what I had written in my notes. Yes, oh, but it was about two feet of water. Right? Two feet? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely enough. To begin, he definitely had a lot of family that he enjoyed hanging out with. His mother, Roxanne, said of Kwan that he was a good kid, a loving child. He loved his mom and, and that she loved him. And his dad, Kenneth, said that Kwan also loved to fish and hang out with his cousins. So he was just like a, a normal 15-year-old kid. Normal 15-year-old kid, exactly. He had recently, within two weeks of all of this occurring, had just started living with his father in Baldwin formerly living with his mom about eh, 30 miles north of the current area where his dad lived. Okay. So he's starting at a new school, didn't know anybody allegedly, didn't have any friends. And what Kwan's dad, Kenneth, didn't know was that on the day in question, Kwan had left his house when his father went out to go to the store, I believe. He wasn't gone but a couple minutes. When he comes back... Quan's not there, and he doesn't know where he went. But mm-hmm. it does turn out that around 3 o'clock, we do know where he went. Security footage from a neighbor across the street picked up mm-hmm. Quan getting into a car that was first seen coming into view, driving past the house, and then sort of like backing up as if they don't really know where they were going, pulling into the driveway of the house. Two people get out. All three of them, Quan included, go out to the backyard, presumably to play with Quan's dog, who Quan had named my baby, which is Oh, cute. stop it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh. My baby. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. <laughs> the footage then shows the three of them getting back into the car and then driving away. And then Kenneth comes home, discovers that his son's not there, and then calls his ex-wife, Roxanne, to inquire if he has heard from him. And he he was starting to get worried, of course, because when he came home, he had left the dog out in the backyard, who he did not know Quan to be that kind of a pet owner to like leave the dog by himself. Right, he would bring him in the house. He wouldn't just yes. leave him outside. Yes. Okay. So it turns out that the people that were in the video footage picking him up was a 17-year-old named Gavin and his mother, Janet. Their last name is Irvin. They were the the ones who picked him up in the car. Exactly. And Quan's father said neither neither he nor Quan's mother knew who the Irvins were. Yeah. They go to school together. Is Gavin a kid or is Gavin an adult? Gavin is 17 at this time. Okay. Okay. So okay. presumably. A couple years older mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. Kwan. Okay. Okay. And neither Kwan's parents obviously gave permission for the Irvings or for Kwan to leave. Sure. When they finally called the Baldwin Police Department around 8, 10 p.m. on the night of October 30th, the police shockingly failed to take it seriously. They kind of brushed off her concerns. They kind of suggested that maybe he probably went to his high school's football game that was going on that night. Right. So they're like, oh, 15, he's gone. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, 
on the one hand, I get why you would not be like uh, missing a- persons worried mm-hmm. for a kid that age that early in the game. But like hindsight, knowing what we know now about what happened to him. Damn. Right. Right. Yeah. And so a lot a lot more could have been done in the preceding days between October 30th when he was first reported missing mm-hmm. to when his body was found November 3rd. And we will go through that, obviously. So from my understanding, once it was initially reported on October 30th, they wrote up a preliminary report, but... They didn't do much else, from my understanding. I think they put his name into this nationwide database Mm -hmm. uh, as a missing person, but Mm -hmm. they didn't categorize it anything more than the kid just probably is off with friends. Nothing more serious than that. Yeah. It wasn't like an Amber Alert, right? It wasn't like like an Amber Alert. They did find the footage, the security footage that shows that he got into the vehicle, quote unquote, willingly. They drive away, of course. Sure. To them, that's not an Amber Alert level of activity. Okay. Cut to three agonizing days later to November 2nd, 2020. No word from Kwan. No Amber mm. Alert was issued. Kwan's mm. parents and family demanded action from the Baldwin police. They said they needed them to ping his cell phone, which... Yeah. At initially on the 30th or 31st, I guess, whenever they initially asked for that, the police said that they couldn't just ping his cell phone, which is okay. bullshit. They should have they and they could can. have. They, it's uh, Yes, they can. They, yeah. Mm-hmm. They can find, they can do it. Yeah, they can do it. If they yeah. suspected him of doing something bad, you bet your ass they could have done it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it but wasn't. This is three days later. Yes. Yeah, what does he three days look later. Like game? Exactly, and that's yeah. Now it's worry time. Now it's worry time, and now it's maybe we can ping it. Oh, I guess we can, and so they do ping his cell phone on November second. Oh. Okay. It shows up to around Laroville, which is in Iberia Parish, the parish above Baldwin. No, okay. Finally, cops have pinged it, and they they go searching. In addition, they also identified the vehicle from the security footage from their neighbors as Janet Irvin and Gavin Irvin. They rope in Iberia Parish Police, and they were only contacted on, I believe, November 3rd, the Mm. day that his body's found. Kwan's parents went with the police to Iberia Parish. Oh, Jesus. mm -hmm. The police went to go speak to the Irvins. There, Gavin confirmed that he and Kwan had been together on October 30th, but said that Kwan had left later that day. And Gavin said, Kwan just got up and said he was leaving. I asked where he was going. And after that, he just left. And like, are they friends? How did they know each other? Mm-hmm. Do they go to the same school? Well, they don't the go to the same school because really they're 30 oh, miles away different from parishes. each other, right? Yeah, they're in different parishes. Oh, so they wouldn't go to school together. Right. So from pinging his phone the day before, Kwan's body was unfortunately found not far away from the Mm -hmm. Gavin's trailer home Mm -hmm. in a sugarcane field, a ditch or culvert Mm -hmm. in some water. He was naked and he was found face down. Jesus. That is not an accident. Oh, um, Kwan's body was mainly unscathed according to the preliminary autopsy report. It said his his body was mainly unscathed, but his face had extreme lacerations and had wounds so deep that you could see the tops of his (gasps) teeth because the gums were were like gone. This is a huge sticking point, of course, with Kwan's family up to this day. Yeah. The... Autopsy report basically says that he died of drowning. The cause of death is drowning. The matter of death is undetermined. The coroner was leaning more towards the idea that he had, um, quote, it is possible the decedent was hallucinating due to psychosis, which led to disorientation, 
which led to an accidental drowning. The alleged sure, circumstance. And how did his face get but all how do you up? get there? Yep, yep. Um, the alleged circumstance of saying he was going to kill himself on the night in question, which we will I'll talk about, and the lack of injuries to his body suggests suicide could be the manner of death, but the report does not rule out homicide either. Okay. The autopsy report did show low levels of THC and his blood alcohol level was uh, 0.015. So a comparatively small amount of alcohol. So, I mean, that's not... That's nothing. Neither of those things are Hallucinating psychosis stuff. No. Exactly. It's not like he had PCP in his system. Unless you're saying it was like the THC was laced with something, but that that would would still show up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the coroner at the time in Iberia Parish, his name was Carl M. Ditch, and he was the one that released the preliminary autopsy report. And that was released about 10 days after his body was found. Okay. In it, Ditch states that the injuries to his face were sustained post-mortem and attributed to aquatic animal activity. Oh. So that's his official ruling. It is Louisiana? It is Louisiana. If they're going to be a gator. Turtles. Turtles. I don't. And they'd go after lips and stuff because it's like. No, it is. It's the fleshy. But they would also go Mm -hmm. for cheeks and and that. It wouldn't just be the lips because the. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, not seeing like pictures of what his face looked like, it's hard to. Imagine like what kind of lacerations we're talking about here and what could have caused I don't him, have but... a hard time believing that he actually died of drowning. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he was held uh, under. I mean, or he was I mean the only thing he, I can think of is he yeah. was either right, held under or he was passed out. Passed but out, that doesn't yeah. explain where his clothes are. Right. And it doesn't explain the other people involved. And I am so sorry, I don't know where or if his clothes were found, or I can't explain the cell phone ping either. I I would assume if he was naked, his cell phone may not be with him, but then how did they find him? It could have just been in the area and they just did a search. Yeah. And they happened upon the body and they didn't find them. Yeah. Who knows? But just wanted to point that out. And of course, his whole family doesn't buy any of what the autopsy report had said. They did not know him to have any kind of psychotic background or any sort of issues that would be attributed to the events that occurred. Right. He didn't have a history of auditory or visual hallucinations. It sounds like he didn't have a history of much of anything. It's not impossible, but there's nothing to show that that would even because yes yeah and his family they're also convinced his investigation has been kind of botched from the start they can't really especially can't really take what the coroner ditch wrote about it (laughs) the family actually wanted him to resign because a few years prior in 2014 ditch was also responsible as the coroner for a very suspicious death of a man named Victor White. Victor was handcuffed behind his back mm-hmm. in the back seat of a police car, uh-huh. but he had allegedly what, secured a gun suicide? and shot himself in the yeah. chest. Okay, that's yeah. what. Uh-huh. That's so what that's happens. a future episode. That's, yeah, that's yeah. that's what happens yeah. normally. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely. Yep. Yeah. Call that guy's autopsy reports into question. Yep. Yeah. Understood. Absolutely. Yeah. This reminds me of, uh, this was in Arkansas, The Boys on the Tracks. It's a really interesting case I want to do. Ooh, wow. But uh, one of the things that they tried to say that the boys had THC in their system because they were these teenage boys and that they mm-hmm. were, had so much in their system that they just went crazy and they killed themselves. Yeah. And that's just, it's not a thing. And I don't, I just don't understand where this idea comes from. Because mm-hmm. that's not a thing <laughs> that happens. But anyway, think, it's just interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. The family, along with some other local activists, formed a protest to be held outside the Iberia Parish's sheriff's office. And mm-hmm. on that same day, which was the weekend after the autopsy report was released, 
a report was released by the police that claims that they not only have an eyewitness video that shows Kwan was by himself and kind of near the area where his body was found on the night he went missing. They also had spoken to at least one eyewitness who reported to actually see the teenager in the area. But again, who was this? And where's this video? Yeah. Yeah, wait, where is the video? Can I please look at it to see that? Anyone know? Have they ever released a video? No, not of that. To this day, they are still asking for this A little bit of Maitreese Richardson in there, too. Uh-huh. Maybe it's just sitting in their drawer. Wait, is yeah, this the the camera from the neighbors with the no. car? No, I'm sorry. Which this video? is a ho- no. You're right. Um, they they did have that almost immediately. Right. What they claimed to also have was a separate video from Iberia Parish, like where he went missing. Oh, okay. But that has okay. never been released. Hmm. Yeah, and what what's the source of that video that they say that they haven't released? They just don't. Question. It's just we just have a. There's a video. A some... video. Mm-hmm. Okay. At least the other one they said this. They said the other video was like a home security video. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one showing him getting into the car on the thirtieth. And the, that is easily accessible online. You can see those in like news reports. Okay. Then there's this mystery video that shows question mark, and it's mm-hmm. from. Question mark. Question mark. Yes. Now, the the family itself, Quan's family, specifically his parents and his cousin Selena, are to this day convinced that he was not only murdered, but that he was tortured based off of the photos and how his body was found with his uh, face looking the way that it looked. Okay. Much like Emmett Till's mother, uh, Mamie Till Mobley, Roxanne Nelson has decided to share those photos online uh, Mm -hmm. far and wide because of the convinced nature that she is in that he was murdered and for the reason that she is pressuring law enforcement to act. To the extent that they need to be doing more to investigate the actual cause of his death, absolutely, 100%. I'm on board. Yeah. Like they have not sure. done that. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's tough. Cause it's yeah. possible that this sure. was an accident and it's it is possible, possible that it was a murder and torture. It's just, it's, there are far too many question marks for me, at and, least on hearing. Like I just, but there also seems to be know. a lack of desire to answer any of those question mm-hmm. marks. Yes. And Absolutely. that, that Which is, allows for additional speculation. Right. Right. And and lack of closure yeah. for this family. Absolutely. And they are doing all the legwork, it seems like, in investigating yeah. the cause of his death to the extent that they even um, uh, had a GoFundMe to raise money for an uh, an independent autopsy, which mm-hmm. they did raise the money for. They did get a second okay. autopsy done. The okay. second autopsy still confirms that Quan's injuries are consistent with drowning, and uh-huh. they did decline again to definitively state a cause of death. Interesting. I mean, it it sounds like one of those really weird. It could be this. It could be that. It's just mm-hmm. hard to say. And we so, don't yes. have enough. Yeah. Yes. And and so they know that he died of drowning and they know kind of where he was in around eight o'clock or so on the 30th. So obviously what has happened in yeah, that there's time? There's huge frame. intervening time. Mm-hmm. Did they establish like time of death? Like when, do they know like about when he died? They do not. The okay. autopsy report. Port said that just noted the time that he was found and the time he was last seen, which was uh, on the yeah. 30th of November. And if he was in enough water, that can distort all yeah. of that. So, yes. And time of death is always kind of like difficult sure. to, it's so dependent on so many different external factors. The weather, weather. if you're inside, if you're outside, outside if you're in the yeah. north, if you're in the south. Yeah. Right. I was just curious, just if they had any idea. Who are these Irvins? The Irvins themselves, the parents have no idea who they were. Does this kid's phone have any texts? With did they like look through this kid's phone? 
At least the parents had to. I looked at 20 or so articles and videos and and news reports about the story. I I didn't see anything about checking the cell phone. Just pinging the cell phone is all I read about. Because, like, even the, hey, are you coming to pick me up uh, at Mm -hmm. this time, at this place on the 30th? For a number of reasons on how the police investigated his death and how the family feels that the the police did not act how they would have probably with another missing child. Sure. Yeah. Or if they were looking for him because he had allegedly committed some crime. There you go. If he looked like John Bonet Ramsey, we would be dealing with a very different set of police circumstances. Mm-hmm. So we talked about who are the Irvins. Yeah. Great question. What who I know of they? <laughs> what I know of Janet Irvin and her son, Gavin, I know that they were the last people to see Kwan, presumably, yeah. alive. I do know that they picked him up at 3 o'clock that afternoon of the 30th. And I do know that Janet was interviewed by the police and she mm. claimed she was not present when Kwan was no longer at the house. Her story, which she... How do they know him? Thank you. Are they... do? How do they know each other? Because you're right. The mom lives in a whole 25 miles away. Yeah. It's not like they're friends. Kids don't go to the same school. Do they go to the same church? Do they like... I don't know. But here's the other thing. His father said that Gavin was the one to give Kawan my baby, his dog. So maybe maybe that's something... Maybe they got the know. How do they? I don't know. But all we know is that. Because it's not like, oh, I picked up my friend from like this club or sport or Mm -hmm. whatever. I I just don't know what the relationships are between these folks. Yeah. The parent, like Kawan's family, has no idea who these Urbans are. Nope. They do not. And they want them to be held accountable because. Even if they weren't the ones to murder or to kill him or know anything about his death, they still failed to uh, kind of report him missing. When right. He, he just, left. They just let him. They just let him leave. And a fifteen-year-old boy, thirty miles from sure home, they were and he just going. walks out the door. Yeah, they didn't drop that him sounds- back off at his house. Was there, it sounds like there was a fight or something. Like the boys got into a fight and he storms out. Like I would believe that or something just, or the kid was uncomfortable because this, I mean, two years isn't a lot, but it is when you're a teenager and Mm -hmm. I don't. That that could be, but um, cut to February of 2021, a few Mm -hmm. months after his death. Some semblance of justice takes place when Janet Irvin, who is age 37, was arrested under the charges of contributing to the delinquency of a minor and failure to report a missing child. Oh, okay, because he had the THC and alcohol in his system. Yes, indeed. And how did she get arrested, you might ask? Well, because the Charles family hired a private investigator. That investigator obtained recordings from Janet and Gavin and Janet's boyfriend, I believe his name is Tyler, regarding the night in question. Janet, in the recordings, says that she knows she should have at least done more when she understood that Quan hadn't made it back to his house, which, (laughs) duh. Or like (laughs) maybe just like called his parents and be like, hey, he was here and then I, I she, stepped out, and Janet when I came might back, not he know wasn't these here. fucking parents because Kawan's parents don't know her. Exactly. Well, then you ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You're she right. said about 8.30 p.m., we're at home, meaning her and Tyler, and I get a phone call from Jack, and he said oh, – and Jack is one of Gavin's other friends. Okay. Uh, he plays no other part in this. But um, I got a phone call from Jack, and he said that he got a phone call from the Baldwin police. And I was like, mm. oh my God, that boy didn't make it home. And so I looked at Tyler and I and I, and I was like, should we call them? It was like 8.30 at night. And he said, no, let's wait until tomorrow. Why? And yeah, so I should have called the cops. I should have went further. 
Why, why would yeah. you wait until tomorrow? Yeah, you should. Yeah. Because honestly, it sounds like she's saying that now with hindsight. I don't, yeah. I would not be surprised if that conversation did, well, it did happen. It was recorded. In another recording, Janet was saying that the boys smoked. They did shrooms on that day. And mm -hmm. at some point, Kwan goes to sleep it off. He then wakes up in an agitated and kind of violent That's state. Convenient. All of this from yeah. Gavin because- Because mm -hmm. she wasn't uh, there. She wasn't there, she says. She comes home and, and she's like, well, where's Kwan? And, and Gavin's like, I don't know. Like he just kind of woke up and was like being like super belligerent and just like- trying to like hit me but weirdly his eyes were closed as he was doing it but he was shouting at me saying like i i i, I want to leave i want to go kill myself and and so i just was like well there's the door and so he just uh, leaves so and part like, of me is like you can have a bad reaction to drugs especially if you're mixing three different kind of drugs and you've never done drugs before also yeah. gavin's telling his mom this after, yeah, after the fact little baby gavin could be lying no little baby gavin could be telling the truth if he's telling the truth janet should have called the fucking she should have call, called, called his parents she, she should have called, called the cops because she knows parents. that she gave him drugs yep. and that if gavin's story is correct he woke up agitated and tried to attack her son and then left it after okay this is october so it's dark it is yep. 8 30 yep. at night and he is dark, 30 miles cool. from home in very rural louisiana yes. too yeah he's not gonna call a cab yeah yeah that's so that's he, wild janet it's negligent fucked at up. Best. damn it janet she gets arrested and a judge sets her bond at four hundred thousand dollars for those two charges. Whoa, Jesus. that is high! Holy it shit. then gets reduced oh about two months later to ninety thousand, which she okay, bonds I'll, out of. I'll credit her defense yeah. attorney for that. <laughs> yes, um, but frustratingly, I don't know what happens from that arrest. She was arrested in mm -hmm. February of twenty-one, or sorry, yeah, she was arrested in February twenty-one. She was released on bond sometime, I believe, in April of that year. Yeah. But I have n I don't know how else to look to see if anything else has come from that. What did she go to trial? Did she I mean, settle? Were they it dropped? Could it, be, it it depends. Like it's not unheard of that she would it, the case wouldn't have been completed in two years. Mm -hmm. But also Louisiana is really special legally from the rest of the country. That's right. The French like, kind of code, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like the, most of the U.S. follows like the English model of law. That's where we got the basis of most of it. Louisiana, on the other hand, follows a French style of law mm -hmm. because they were occupied by the French for most of the col colonial times, whatever. I'm sure it's not crazy different, but it, it is considerably. Mm-hmm. I don't know what has come of Janet, but that is yeah. the only source of hmm, uh, justice in in the sense that someone was apprehended for some sort of crime that was committed that day. But the rest of the summer of 2021 was silent for the family. No news, mm. no development. And it was then that the parents filed a civil lawsuit for damages against everybody involved. Janet, St. Mary's Parish, Iberia Parish, Baldwin Police Department, the coroner, Fair enough. all of them. She's yeah, like, that's that's how those – yeah, you, you yep. put everybody in the pot. Yep. The Irvins and, and her boyfriend, they were accused in the suit of failing to report Kawan missing, failing mm -hmm. to contact his family, and failing to attempt to find him despite the fact that they had taken him, quote, 25 miles from the safety of his home without permission mm -hmm. of his family. Yeah. yeah. The suit yeah, is also yeah. accusing St. Mary's Parish law enforcement agencies of failing to, quote, follow the law and statutory protocols for missing children for failing to notify Louisiana State Police about a missing minor. Yeah. I say that, and the family is also angry because I believe the previous six children that went missing before Kawan were reported to the media and also reported to Louisiana State Police. Mm -hmm. Can you guess what the only thing is that um, differs? They were white. They were ah, white. so yeah. that's. Yeah. I'm not yeah. surprised. Uh -huh. I just I can't figure out. I don't care if he's 15. He's a child. 
He's a minor and yep. he's missing. Yeah. He's not at a football game. You made that up. You're making a guess. It's like in the 70s when they said every teenager who didn't come home was a runaway. Was a runaway. And they weren't. They were murdered. (laughs) Jeffrey Dahmer got them. (laughs) Jeffrey Dahmer. John Wayne Gacy. Don't go to the Midwest in the 70s. (laughs) Definitely don't be a sweet little boy in the Midwest in the 70s. Anyway. They, uh, the family also is angry, of course, with police who were investigating it because they were not keeping the family abreast on whatever they were investigating to the point that the, correct me if I'm wrong, they were told by the police department's secretary at one point that the case was moved to the district attorney. So does that mean Uh, that that their case was closed? I don't no, know. in some states, the district attorney's office is an investigative, like it's an ex, like the sheriff's department or the police department is essentially an extension of the right. district attorney's office. But I don't know, like in Pennsylvania, I know it's it's a little bit different than Maryland, and um, they're pretty connected. But mm-hmm. and and the DA's office has their own investigators, just like the public defender's office does. But I mean. I don't know how much. I don't know. I feel like the investigation is done by the police and then if needed, supplemented by the investigators of the DA's office. That's my understanding of how it works here in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And like like we were saying, I have no idea. It doesn't mean it's closed. If it's with the district attorney's office, I wouldn't assume it's closed. No? Okay. Oh, no. I- it could just be cold or on the back burner and just not mm-hmm. being investigated. Um, but I don't know. Gotcha. In December of 2021, the family went before that district attorney. His name is Bo Dewey. Yeah. yeah, it is. And that was the last news article I could find Jesus. up until God. January 20th, 2023 of this year. Because uh-huh. January 24th would have been Kwan's 18th birthday and the family uh-huh. had organized another protest to be done for full accountability for everybody involved because they have not had any closure when it comes to this. Nothing has changed. And I don't know if anything, I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen any news articles about whether or not the civil case has gone on. Civil cases can take they take a very, long time. Very yeah. long time. And if it's a criminal matter, and I'm not Oh, they, you know what it moving to the DA's office means? It means they're handling it like as a criminal matter, as like not a natural death. That's what that means to me. But um potentially, or the file is in somebody's office somewhere and sure. sitting gathering dust. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But, and like it could it could be that this was it could be exactly what they accident. say it is. It could be exactly what they Absolutely. say it is. It just that I don't from what you've been telling us, it doesn't seem like they've done enough looking into it to, justify to see it. if that, you know, to to certainly the family doesn't feel that uh that that um answer was attained from, you know, thorough investigation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I blame them. I don't think I blame them either. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Also, release that video footage you say that you have. Right. Release that eyewitness statement that you 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 have. Like what they happened to his lost that video. They fully could have lost that. If video. it existed, it's no longer with us. Yeah, and they have just they just haven't said that to save face. Maybe. I, I mean, also, I it's clear There's from the beginning possibilities that's enormous in this case. Like, I have yeah. no idea. It's frustrating. And as I was reading it, the more I'm like, you're, this isn't a clear cut and dry case. No, 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 not at all. Like, it's not clear that this kid was murdered. It's not clear. No, it's not clear. Because it's not clear that he this. wasn't. And it's not clear that he wasn't. No. It's just, this yeah. is really a, sh- a really shitty situation that should have been looked into further than it was. Oh, absolutely. He should have been treated like a missing child. Yes. From the beginning. Absolutely. And there's so many things that I I wish we had more information on too, which is again, yeah. I think behooves the investigators to release some more information if possible. 
Because yeah. like Janet said that they had weed and shrooms, but, but the toxicology he didn't have report in his system, right? Yes, but then again, I, was I don't stuck know how on long that it too. takes. Do we know? Because I got no idea. I uh, maybe I don't know, but I'd be I'd be surprised because if the yeah. alcohol is still in his system, then it would. And be, I wonder how much alcohol it is. You know, I on don't the know. time that he died because, yeah. like, when he was yeah. found, his blood alcohol was point oh one five. But who knows how long? Which I don't is incredibly know how long it stays low. In well, it has to process, yeah. and if you're not alive, it's not processing. Touche. So that could be, that could be, that could mean that he was drunk. And if he was drunk, then he was alive for a lot longer than just that night. Or it could have been that he had mm-hmm. a beer and that is the amount of alcohol that he consumed. There's just no answers to anything. Dee Dee. Frustratingly, that is the story of Quan Charles. I want to reiterate, I hope that his family finds the peace yeah. and justice yeah. that they're looking for. Yeah, spare a thought for the family of Kwan Charles. And look yeah. up his uh, um, his cousin, Selena, is really done a lot to keep this story alive. She is head of the social media platform for um, Justice for Kwan. So definitely look up what mm-hmm. she's been posting because, again, she has a lot more than – but I will warn you – the uh, social media does oh, it's got the photos prominently show yes of the photos yeah thank you kevin yeah. for so if you're telling going us looking, the story careful. i'd never heard of this situation mm-hmm. yeah kevin's I, good at getting the uh the like current cases like yes you, you're really good at that yeah kevin's got his fingers on the pulse and thanks for that <laughs> it's infuriating can we leave Bummersville, Miss? Uh, can can we hop on a bus? We can leave Bummersville. Can the, Let's have the a next fun. bus out of Bummersville, please. Fair warning, it's storming pretty bad yeah. here, and I keep freezing just a little bit. So tell, like, so let me know if my I'm okay. frozen and I'm talking into the void. Perfect. Well, why do. don't we? We're gonna take a trip to Massachusetts today. Ooh, and haven't been home there. Of big library. Well, in Massachusetts a long while. again. Um, home of big library. <laughs> yeah. So we all know about the Bermuda Triangle, right? The stories there are that people and ships, they mysteriously disappear. But today I'm going to talk about a little lesser known triangle, and that is the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts. I have heard of the Bridgewater Triangle. Oh, you have? I have heard the name of her, but I don't remember anything specific about her. Huh. I do not know anything about her. Okay. Yay. All right. So. The Bridgewater Triangle is a 200-square-mile, quote, paranormal vortex. Yes. I love these two words together. Paranormal Mm -hmm. vortex. Oh, I know, right? That's what got me. (laughs) The points of the triangle are the towns of Abington, Rehoboth, and Freetown. Though sources are quick to emphasize that these are not strict boundaries. These are... Just inside that triangle is where the majority of activity has occurred over the years. So it's not a hard and true triangle. It's a triangle, but like she, her lines are fuzzy. It's like fuzzy lines. But yeah, we're a Mm, She has curves. Okay. She's got curves. You know, she, she gains five miles. She loses five miles. Exactly. The area was dubbed the Bridgewater Triangle in 1983 by cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman in his book, Mysterious America. In the book, it establishes the rough boundaries and identifies some of the triangle's most notable places and legends, calling it a, quote, window area of unexplained occurrences. Let's move to this window area of unexplained occurrences. (laughs) Somebody's left... Like this cryptozoologist in writing all this book about it has left a warm, fresh baked pie on the windowsill to this window of unexplained phenomena. And I want that pie. (laughs) (laughs) For centuries, there have been tales of zombies, UFOs, 
Bigfoot sightings, unexplained floating balls of light, Thunderbirds, and the Puckwudgie, who is a dangerous trickster and so What did you call me? Did you just call me more. a Puckwudgie? She's got it all. <laughs> no, yes. No. She's got it all, baby. Within the triangle, there are some landmarks that allegedly have some real concentrated bad vibes. And the most important being Hakamak Swamp, which has a bloody history. The Wampanoag both worshipped and feared the area mm. as they believed Hobomak, chief deity of death and disease, lived in the swamp. Among yeah. Algonquin Makes tribes, sense. Hobomak was yeah. often destructive and evil. Mm-hmm. And he was the opposition oh, to, I'm so sorry, Kautantowit, the great creator god. Apologies to everyone if that's incorrect. <laughs> Hashtag cancel myth. Now, it is the incorrect. landscape <laughs> is dotted with. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. We don't know. Do you know? We just, just know that you're wrong. Now? Yeah. Oh, you don't so have sorry. to be right. We just have to be confident in your but wrongness. It's the great creator god, okay? I'm so white. You should be confident in my wrongness. The landscape is dotted with Wampanoag's stone monuments, but most importantly is the swamp. And in the 1600s, the swamp was used as a fortress for the Wampanoag people against early invasions of the English and other assorted whites. It was a strategic base for Metacomet, or a sachem or elected chief, who later adopted the name King Philip during King Philip's War from 1675 <laughs> to 1676. Uh, King Philip's War, quote, King Philip's War was the bloodiest battle in U.S. history, U.S. or British history at the time, and 75 to 80 percent of heard the- of her. <laughs> Of eighty percent, I'm sorry, seventy-five to eighty percent of the natives were wiped out, and twenty-five percent of the the colonists were as well. Many believe that this is the origin of the vortex. The blood seeped into the ground too deep to ever be washed away, and the souls could never escape. American Horror Story Roanoke had that subplot. Oh my God. <laughs> of course mm-hmm. it did. Let oh, the blood right. soaked soul. If it's all right with you, I'm going to go over just a very small amount of some of the wild tales from inside the triangle. Also, there are a lot of pretty famous, very dark true crime things that happen inside the triangle because there's a Bridgewater State Hospital, and that's a hospital for the criminally insane. There's some cult murders. There's a lot of stuff, but we're sticking with spook today. First up is the redheaded hitchhiker of Route 44. (laughs) This urban legend mainly occurs near the Seekonk and Rehoboth town borders. And for more than three decades, a redheaded man has been seen on foot on Route 44. Some see the man walking on the side of the road, hitching for a ride. Others see him in the middle of the road, refusing to move until the car passes through him. Others have seen the redheaded man walking away from the road into the woods, only to disappear. One person even like claimed to, think he to was see the man standing away. outside the window of their car, <laughs> even when they were going more than 40 miles an hour. From whatwhenhow.com, he is described as being more than six feet tall, well-built, and having red hair and a red beard. Oh, sign me up. What's his name? Okay. Hi. All right. I knew Kevin would like that. This is Kevin. (laughs) Did you see him on Scruff? (laughs) No comment. He's always described as wearing a red flannel shirt. Sometimes it's tucked in. Sometimes it's not. Some people see him as well-kept. Kept, this guy is perfect for you. (laughs) (laughs) Some see him with his red hair. He's disheveled and dirty. People who come into contact with him can tell he's not human by his eyes, which are often described as lifeless, which makes sense. Typically, these tales are reported by lone drivers and involve more than just sightings. Most report interacting with the redheaded man. When they either stop to give him a ride or when they hit him with their car, he will either disappear or, much more unsettling, they will hear the man laugh or scream at them before disappearing. 
Oh, fuck you, <laughs> asshole. You just murdered me with your car. JK, man, I'm a ghost. No, for real. <laughs> a woman once reported stopping to pick the man up. He disappeared and went to grab the door handle. Her car battery then died. And then she heard a man laughing at her, although he could no longer be seen. Ten minutes later, the car started, but not before she had like a nervous breakdown. One man had been driving alone when he saw the redheaded man on the side of the road. He stopped and called out to the man who started to walk towards him. But as he got closer, the ghost just, he just faded away and disappeared into the ether. Hmm. Another witness said that the man appeared in the backseat of his car and he saw through the rearview mirror and the radio. Oh, wow. That I that got me. That's always a fun part of the scary movie when either the ghost or the murderer just shows up in the backseat of your car. Yeah, how'd you get there? Nobody let you in. Another local legend says that if three people are driving in the same car on Route 44, the redheaded hitchhiker will just appear in the empty seat. So if the three of us ever find ourselves in Massachusetts, we will not be traveling together. No. <laughs> Next up is a short tale by police sergeant Thomas Downey. In 1971, Tom was driving home from work when he spotted a giant creature in the middle of the road. He described it as a six-foot-tall bird that had a wingspan of 8 to 12 feet. After he spotted the human-sized bird, it moved towards his car before flying straight up in the air, like a helicopter, not a plane. Tom called in some other police officers, and he even filed a report. They found a series of three-toed footprints, but nothing else. Interestingly, it was the sighting was near Bird Hill, which the indigenous people of the area had the legend of the Thunderbird. They told a tale of a giant bird that lived in the swamp and who still live there to that day. From legendsofamerica.com, quote, it was called the Thunderbird because the flapping of its powerful wings sounded like thunder and lightning would shoot out of its eyes. The Thunderbirds brought rain and storms, which could be good or bad. Good when the rain was needed or bad when the rain came with destructive winds, floods, and fires caused by lightning. Legends say that the Thunderbird is so large that he swoops down and he picked up a whale with just his talons. Whoa. Yeah. That's a big bird. It's a big that's a I mean, you're big snatching, bird. you're snatching a whale. It's a big bird. That's not your Sesame Street big bird. This mm -hmm. Thunderbird would absolutely fucking destroy terrifying big bird and Snuffleupagus too. <laughs> Indigenous people of the area believe, quote, the Thunderbird controls the upper world. In contrast, the underworld is controlled by an underwater panther or great horned serpent, from which the Thunderbird protects its humans by throwing lightning at it. According to the legends, the Thunderbirds were the ancestors of the human race and helped create the universe, end quote. So Thunderbird's pretty important. There have been like a good number of sightings of the Thunderbird, but there's just not information more than I saw a Thunderbird and this is what happened. Now mm -hmm. we are going to the spring of 1978, which was known as the most active period of documented UFO sightings in the Triangle, which is saying a lot considering documented UFO sightings date back to the 1760s. Get out of town. Reporters Jerry Lopez and Steve Sprassia have the most famous UFO sighting to date. The two were driving on the way to the Rainham dog track on Route 106 when Steve noticed a bright light over the tree line, and that light was moving directly towards them. They pulled over and, quote, all of a sudden, the stars blotted out in a shape of an arrow and as this thing passed overhead. Steve said the pattern looked to be like a baseball home plate with a series of lights on it and had the width of a 747 from wing to wing. Jesus. Steve says it was also so close that he could have thrown a rock at it and hit the UFO and that it also had sparks coming off of it. Jerry said, quote, 
And this thing passed overhead. It just kept coming and coming and coming. And the light kept getting bigger and bigger. I'm an Air Force veteran. I've been in the Air Force for four and a half years. I've been around a number of different planes. And I said to Steve, that's not one of ours. So I have four years of looking at planes. I know this was not a plane. Uh, And just as fast as it came, it disappeared. Over the coming weeks, there were actually many reported sightings that were very similar to Jerry and Steve's reported in the newspapers and on the radio. So they came forward and that's how we know their story. Lastly, we're going to talk about my favorite thing in the triangle. Not lastly for today, because there's like a thousand things you could cover with the Bridgewater Triangle. But (laughs) we are going to cover the Pukwudgie. The So Pukwudgies are said to be Little people of the forest. I'm picturing like a mix between an Ewok and those like little Porg ones from the, the, the sequels. The little, the little uh-huh. birdies. Well, they are called the little people of the forest in Algonquin folklore. Many compare them to the European gnome or fairies. So they're little tricksters. Oh, okay. So totally different from what I was picturing. A little bit. They're about knee high or even smaller. They're about two to three feet tall. Their name literally means person of the wilderness, and they're usually considered to be spirits of the forest. Indigenous peoples believe that the Pukwudgies were creatures that had once lived in harmony with humans, but had turned against them. Now, a lot of different tribes have a Pukwudgie, and they're all sort of similar but different depending on the tribe. Now, where we are in the triangle, the Wampanoag traditions, the Pukwudgies are capricious and dangerous creatures who may play harmless tricks or even help a human neighbor, but they're just as likely to steal children or push you off a cliff. Depending on what area you're in, like each of these Pukwudgies has like a different cutie mark, (laughs) like a like a set of cherries or like a little rainbow <laughs> there. It's my little pony rules is what I'm saying. I see. Um, they also have a variety of tricks that they just pull out for fun to harm or haunt humans, which like, I can't really blame them. Humans are the worst. Yeah. We're bad. Legend has it that the creatures originally got along well with humans but the humans were distracted by their relationship with a giant kind spirit deity named Maushop. I hope. I'm sorry if that's wrong. Who created the landmass we now know as Cape Cod. The jealous Pukwudgies were offended that they weren't as well loved mm. and began to cause more and more mischief. After the Wampanoags had a talk with this deity's wife... The deity exiled the Pukwudgies and forcefully spread them out as far, far and wide across North America. You really have to go to the true power source, and that's the wife. Some Pukwudgies found their way back and started a decidedly unfriendly relationship with the humans. A human who bothered or annoyed a Pukwudgie may find themselves pushed off a cliff or involved in some trickery or have their children stolen. They could also create fire orbs that lured people you know, just deep into stuff. the woods to their doom. And maybe this is what happened to the redheaded fellow from the beginning and all of those orb sightings. Yeah. Uh, duh. And then he gets, he's like, oh, uh, the headlights of cars just mm. ensorcelled him like the fire orb that originally led him to his doom. <laughs> We've solved it. We've connected That's it. all the dots. That's it. That's it. There's also a rumor that they had power over the spirits of people they had killed. So stay away from cliffsides and the Pukwudgie if you can. Though, if you're feeling a little dangerous, a common hideout for the Pukwudgie is Freetown, a state park in Fall River, Massachusetts. The very same place where Lizzie Borden (sighs) did not legally kill her parents. And not with an axe, either. She couldn't. She couldn't have. She's just a little lady. Mm -mm. She was a woman. She's just a tiny little lady. 
Um, and then finally, the police in Freetown, Massachusetts, have put up a puck wedgie crossing sign near the entry of the state forest, which I thought was a little cute. And that's just a little snippet of some of the crazy shit that happens inside the Bridgewater Triangle. Oh, hell yes, miss. Thank you. Not miss. only. Let's go there. Not only do we have the Bermuda yeah. Triangle, we also have this triangle in our same time zone. We are rich with absolutely mysterious triangles. We are stupid with triangles. Ugh. It's up to our eyeballs and mysterious triangles. Curvy triangles at that. Who doesn't like to play with inside the lines? <laughs> no. Not playing by the rules. Wow, I had, I had no idea rules. any of that existed. Thank you for sharing that with us. Of course. I am now going to be afraid to visit <laughs> my family up in Boston. So I don't know Listen. what to tell you now. <laughs> Just befriend a puckwudgie and you'll be fine. <laughs> <gasps> Well, shit. Well, Miss, thank you very much for sharing that story. Of course. Edie, did you enjoy, as an audience member, both of our stories today, Y or N? Well, why? Uh, Because even though we found ourselves once again in Bummersville, we're very comfortable there. We've got a timeshare in Bummersville. Mm -hmm. uh, And it was a very important story. And then We're scamming ourselves with a timeshare. I am so fucking thrilled to have yet another mysterious triangle to want to, uh, to b- bury my face in. <laughs> <laughs> Just motorboat. Who does it? <laughs> it's called investigation. Look it up. <laughs> the storm is not going to go away. No. We all might die. But before we do, Miss, where could someone leave a We Hardly Knew Ye if we do end up dying before the end of this recording. Well, if you're interested in reaching out and giving us a quick little message, uh, you can do so on Instagram at creepy inquiries pod, or you could send us an email at creepy inquiries pod at gmail.com. If you're at all interested in our sources, you could go to creepy inquiries pod.com. And then if you feel so inclined, mm-hmm. you could go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this lovely pod and give us a cute little rate and review. Five stars or a my, me and my mm-hmm. two-foot sprightly friend of the forest will push you off a cliff to your doom. <laughs> <laughs> they mean business, people. These are getting more and more vicious each time, Edie. I'm getting, I'm getting violent. I'm in I'm in a murder oh, era. Everyone. I'm in my murder era. Listeners, just murder. give the five stars and we won't need to have Edie unleashed on you. <laughs> is all we're saying. <laughs> Listener, thank you so much for joining us for episode 68, the Jackie Chan aged episode. And until next time. 